Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you guys. I said, good morning, everybody. Yeah, yeah, okay, just making sure. Just making sure. It's so good to see you. Welcome this morning to New Life Church, this first day of November. Can you believe that? First day of November. I want to say welcome to those of you watching online, participating with us online today. Thank you for showing up and turning on your TV or your phone, whichever one you're looking at today. Uh, it's good to see your faces. So good to see you guys here today. Uh, thankful for each one of you. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3 in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 3. I'll have a verse from Proverbs I'm going to read before we get there, but you can go to Ephesians 3. We're starting a new series today uh, called Habits. Uh, plan to talk about a few things, and I'll, I'll get into set that up here in a moment. But to set this up, I want to read Proverbs 5, verse 21 out of the Passion Translation. It says, For God sees everything you do, and His eyes are wide open as He observes every single habit you have. God sees every single habit we have. We, we all have habits. <laughs> all have habits, every single one. We have good habits. We don't have not so good. We have not so good habits. We have indifferent habits. That just, they're there. They don't really make much of a difference, some of them. But we all have habits. I, I, I googled top ten habits of successful people. And here's what, what it came up with. It said they're organized. Successful people are organized. Number two, they start their day early. Three, they read. Four, they take action. Five, successful people give time to focused thinking. Six, they value meditation. Seven, they network with similar people. Eight, successful people are frugal. Nine, they're goal-oriented. And ten, they give attention to personal care, such as things as their diet, their exercise, their sleep, their rest, things like that. Habits. Habit is defined as this. It's an acquired behavior. It's an acquired behavior pattern that is regularly followed. It's where something, habits are not something we're born with. Habits are something we start and something we develop. So it's an acquired behavior behavior pattern. It's known as a dominant disposition. Habits, once they're formed and once they're developed, are hard to break, depending on what they are. Obviously, we don't want to break good habits, but we all have some habits that, come on, if anybody has some habits that you're like, man, I don't wish I didn't have that habit, just go ahead and raise your hand and get it over with. Yeah, we all have some habits that, man, we just don't like. We know they're not good for us. We know they're not helpful to others around us. But habits are not easily broken, just like they're not always easily formed either. It takes great effort involved. But habits, we all have them. And here's the thing about habits. Our habits will determine our outcome. The habits you and I have practiced in our life right now will, are actually determining the outcome of each of our days to a degree. Habits formed equal habits produced. And the outcome is there. Habits. As I said, not all habits are beneficial. A lot of them that we have probably are, but there's some that's not. But in this series, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take uh, the next three weeks, starting today, 
And we're going to look at three small habits that if practiced, if, if practiced, they can lead to some big changes in our life. And I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I don't like just, you know, staying the same in the sense of I, when I stay the same, what tends to happen is I, I plateau, I, I don't dream, I don't, I don't imagine, I don't ask God for big things, I just kind of get satisfied where things are at. Not that things have to be bad where I'm at, but there's just there's things that God wants to do in each of our lives and how He wants to express Himself to us and express Himself through us that it requires certain habits. We're going to look at one habit today. Habit number one that we're going to look at today is the habit... You guys ready for it? The habit of living by faith. The habit of living by faith. Let's look at our text here in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to be reading this out of the Passion as well, and it should be on the screens for us to follow. Paul, it's actually a prayer that that Paul has has written to the believers there in Ephesus and to us here today. And he, he he writes this prayer out. He goes, I pray in verse 16, I pray that... God would unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory and favor until until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. I just love the, the adjectives here, the description here that Paul says he prays this prayer. And it's a prayer that you and I can adapt for our own life that God would unveil within us His unlimited riches and favor until supernatural strength floods our heart, floods our life with His divine might and His explosive power. Now, I dare say most of us have probably had an experience of this before, experiencing God's supernatural strength coming into our life, his, his might just being explosive, his power just flaring up. But I would dare say that Paul put this in here, God allowed it to be in here, in a, in a prayer that you and I can pray and believe that this is not meant just for one day, one time, one encounter, one exposure to, one experience with God. This can be our everyday life. That we are in a place of life on earth where we need God's supernatural strength to flood our lives. And he goes on and he he goes on and he kind of expounds on this in kind of three layers, three contexts, if you will. Verse 17, he says, Then by constantly using your faith or living by faith, can you say living by faith? At home, and if you're watching at home, let me hear you say, living by faith. I heard you at home. All right, that was good. You screamed that. I heard that. Woke your neighbors up. That's great. Living by faith. He says, when you live by faith, here's what happens. One, he says, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. The life of Christ. It's perfect. His life is pure. The life of Christ is is powerful. The life of Christ is productive, able to accomplish something good. That life, the life of Christ. 
says, when you live by faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. We were not made to have a surfacey relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants a deep dive relationship with us. Meaning he, he wants to know everything about us. He kind of already does, but he wants us to get to a place of of, of faith and comfortableness with Him that we can express it. As the song we sang earlier, I tell you about all my flaws, I tell you about all my weaknesses, God, and you still draw near to me. Aren't you glad God sees the good, the bad, and the ugly side of us and still wants something to do with us? He's not scared. He's not afraid. He's not ashamed. And Paul prays this prayer, look, living by faith, allows the life of Christ to be released on the deep part of you. In other words, it's so deep it doesn't go away. Something that's shallow can be blown away by the wind, can be tossed aside by a trial of life, but the deepness of God in a person's heart will not be rocked, will not be shaken, the Bible says. And he says, you live by faith, you can have the life of Christ, the pure the perfect, the powerful, the productive life of Christ alive on the inside of you, deep on the inside of you. And then he goes on and he says this, living by faith, the second half of this verse says, the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. So when we live by faith, Paul says, we not only have the life of Christ working in us, we have the love of Christ being the very source and being the very root of our life. Chances are we don't love well enough. But yet in our heart, we want to be loved so well. Right? We want others to love us for who we are. But we are not so great at loving others so well, which is why we need the source of love to be God's love in us. Think about our country right now. So many divisions. So many uprisings. So much discord. What changes that? Not the next president. What changes that? Not the next policy. What changes that? You can't legislate love. Only the love of Christ can change anybody's life. That's it. No matter who, no matter what, no matter where, no matter what happens, it's the love of Christ that must be the source and the root of our life. Because let's just face it, what will happen to you, how will you react if who you vote for doesn't get put into place on Tuesday? There, I said it, I got it over. Will it change your faith in God? Will it change your faith in humanity? No, because if we live by faith the way God says to live by faith, the love of God is what will be the source and the root of our heart, not by what we see. And he goes on. I love this because Paul adds some layers and some, de some depth here to his prayer about love in verse 18. He expounds about this kind of love, the love of Christ being the source and root of our life. He says, you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love 
of Christ in all its dimensions. I dare say not one of us has experienced the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions yet. We will one day, we will one day when you go to heaven, when you become face to face with your God, that is when it will fully take place. But Paul is saying, pray it right now. Desire it, yearn it, want it for your heart right now. The astonishing love of Christ. Then he goes on and expresses it some more. How deeply intimate. Intimate. Deeply is God's love. It goes deep. It knows the chambers of our heart. Not the, not the physical chamber, but the the spiritual chambers of our soul. You know those parts that we kind of want locked up and pushed to the side where we don't want to deal with them. We don't want anybody to know about that part of us. We, we, if it's brought up, we're like, no, that doesn't exist. That, that was old news. That, that's not there. That deep part of our life. Some of us want change, but we don't want to deal with the things that need attention in order to get the change that needs to happen. We want the surfacey pat on the back, rub the shoulder, you know, that type of relationship. But man, when Jesus wants to go deep diving in our heart, we have a choice to make. And his love is capable of going deep, not to harm, not to hurt, but to heal. Always to heal. Always to heal. And his love goes on. He says, and it's far-reaching is, is his love. Far-reaching. You cannot outrun God's love. It's far-reaching. People waste their time, their energy, their livelihood trying to run from God's love. And all the time, God's love is still chasing. God's love is still pursuing. Because God's love, love never fails. Then he goes on and says this part about his love. How enduring is his love? Come on, think about it. Think about his love. It's enduring. It's enduring. If, if, if relationship with God were a marriage, God still wouldn't leave you. God still wouldn't leave you. He should. He should leave us. But he won't leave us because of his love. It's enduring. And he goes on, he says this, his love is inclusive. His love is inclusive. I dare say that all of our thoughts, views, and beliefs about life, as solid and good as most of them are, they're still not perfect. There are still things and thoughts and attitudes and behaviors and belief systems you and I have that is with as good as intentions as we can possibly muster up still fall short. And God still wants us. He still wants to have something to do with us. And he goes on and he says this, His love is endless. It's endless. It's beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. And that right there explains it all. We cannot completely, fully comprehend why God loves so good. Transcends our understanding. And he goes and says this, This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of 
God, I, 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 I not only should wish this, but to pray this, that every day, seven days a week, oh, I, will, I pray I, I could live filled to overflowing with the fullness of God, but most days I live to overflowing with the fullness of myself. But Paul puts it out here, it's a prayer. So if it's a prayer and it's in the Bible, it's something you and I can get to. We can, uh, we can believe for that God would work in such a way. But he says, live by faith. You not only have the life of Christ released deep in you, but you will have the love of Christ will be your source. And his love, it doesn't end. It doesn't exhaust. There is no running out of his love. So the source is always going to be there to supply. And then he says this, number three, verse 20. You live by faith. The life of Christ, the love of Christ. He says you'll have the limitless power of Christ will be at work in you. Verse 20, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve. Listen to how, how he goes on and describes how this mighty power can work in a person of faith, this limitless power of Christ. He says this power, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. His power, he will achieve infinitely more than your most unbelievable dream. His power will exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. For His miraculous power will constantly energize you. Anybody ever get tired of being patient with people? Probably not in here. I, it's, it's for everybody at home. No, I'm kidding. It's all of us. It's everybody. Everybody. <laughs> What's the thing that's going to help us continue to be patient with others? His power constantly energizes you. I think we're probably too quick to give up in most cases. And we don't pay the price enough to pray and ask God, fill me with your power. Now the power of God for us is not so that we can be a spotlight in a showboat and a Heisman winner. But it's so people will see and know and taste the divine love of God flowing out of our life. And see the power of God that it's real, it's tangible. It's authentic, it's genuine, it's not full of pride. It's full of humility. These three things, Paul says, live by faith. Now, here's the way all of this happens. It says, you got to live by faith. we got to live by faith. Verse 17 says, you want all of this? You want the life of Christ, the love of Christ, the power of Christ to be at work and alive and expressive and all those good things happening in you? Then live by faith. What is faith? Well, let's look at this. Let's journey through the Bible for a few minutes. We've got a few minutes left. You guys rolling with me? 
You want to go with this journey? Hebrews 11.1, 1, the writer expresses this as faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Faith gives us assurance about things we cannot see. What is faith? Faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. In the day and time in which we live, a lot of people have lost what I would say probably have lost hope. Haven't lost all because there's always hope. But to just try to express it, people would say, yeah, I've lost hope. What do you hope for? What do you hope will actually happen in your life? Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It says it gives us great assurance about things we cannot see. Faith. Faith. What do you hope for? There was a, a time, it's, it's been many years ago now, but Haley and I were in need of a refrigerator. Ours had, I forget what happened, but we just didn't have one, I guess it was. And we were like, man, we need a refrigerator. And we prayed, and I told her, God's going to give us a refrigerator. You just watch. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going he's to give us a refrigerator, and wasn't long, I was in a conversation with someone at church, and, and I just, it, somehow it came up about needing a refrigerator, and this person said, here, reached into his wallet, gets out a card, and he says, here, just go buy you what you need. Just go pick it out and pay for it, and have it delivered, and it's on me. We still have that refrigerator, I think, don't we? Isn't it the same one we have? Yeah. It's been a long time. I pray they can keep running. But I didn't, I didn't go chase somebody down. I, I want to make that sh- clear. I didn't go and just like say, hey, everybody, I need you to know I, we need a refrigerator. There's probably some context for telling people that, but that was not the time. I just told her, and I prayed, God's going to give it, and it came up, and they said, here, go buy it. Faith. Confidence that what you hope for will actually happen. There was another time we were buying a home. We needed a down payment, and we were short. And we prayed, and then God challenged us and said, Hey, I want you to give a certain amount of money in an offering. And I'm like, But you see how much you're telling us to give, and you see how short we are, and you know this. Just give that. We're like, God, this makes no sense. This makes no sense. We're about to give away everything and that we have, and yet we're needing the money for and just give it. We sowed it, we gave it. Somebody then wrote us a check back. Said, here, do what you need to do with it. And it worked. Faith. Now I wish I could tell you that, man, I just had a hundred percent. My faith meter was at 100% on that one, but it was about 50-50 on that one. But nonetheless, faith is faith. And here's the thing. Faith gets God's attention. 
The Bible says that we are to walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 and Hebrews eleven six says it is impossible to even please God without faith. And Luke writes in Luke 18, verse 8, writing the words of Jesus, Jesus is given the question, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Faith, not need, faith gets God's attention. We're all going to have needs. We all have needs. You name the the needs list can go on and on. We all have some needs. You got needs, I got needs, all God's children got needs. We got needs, but do we have faith? God responds to faith. Faith gets the attention of God. It certainly got the attention of Jesus when he healed the leper in Luke chapter 17. He healed 10, but one came back to give thanks. And here's what Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Faith gets the attention of God. It got the attention of Jesus when he healed the blind beggar in Luke chapter 18. It was the blind beggar crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heals him, and here's what he said. Your faith has healed you. Not your need, your faith. Faith gets the attention of God. The sinful woman who broke open the alabaster jar of expensive perfume broke it over the feet of Jesus, then wept and washed his feet with her hair in tears. It was faith he said, that has saved you. Faith gets the attention of God. The woman with the issue of blood in Luke chapter 8, she had been sick for 12 years. The doctor couldn't, couldn't fix it, couldn't do anything about it, basically told her you, nothing else can be done. And she heard that Jesus was in town, and she said, if I can just touch, I don't even have to talk to him. I, he don't even know I have to, I'm around. I, I don't have to RSVP my seat at church. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. Anybody got faith just to touch the hem of his garment? And here's what happened. He, t- he turns around and he's like, man, somebody touched me. And the disciples are like, well, everybody's around you. Of course people touched you. No, there's one in particular who touched me. And they locked eyes and he told her, your faith has made you well. Faith. Faith gets the attention of God. Anybody have, we all have a need. We all have things. But are we appropriating our faith? Are we living by faith or are we caught up living by sight? Now, don't get me wrong. It's easy to live by sight. So easy to live by sight. So easy to be swayed by the winds and the waves. Peter did. Got out of the boat, walked on water, living by faith, walking by faith. Then he sees the wind and the waves, and then what happens? He sinks, and Jesus picks him up. But he did walk on water. He did there for a moment have faith. But how quickly sight can come in and sidestep our faith and get us to focus on the natural and focus on the material, focus on the earthly and not have faith. Faith gets the attention of God. In closing, I've got three reminders I just want to give you today. I want to leave with you three reminders that can help us all have the habit of living by faith. Number one, the habit or the reminder is this. God's love for you is for real. 
God's love for you is for real. Those of you watching online, God's love for you is real. It is for real. Here's what Romans 8 says. 8.35 says, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or are destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does it mean that he doesn't love us if we go through that? It says, as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And he says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And then he goes on. He says this with such conviction. And he says, I am convinced, Paul says, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, nor not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no power in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love for you and me is for real. It transcends, it goes through, it steps beyond anything you and I ever deal with. He doesn't overlook what we go through, but he gets in the middle of what we go through and his love becomes real to our hearts. There's not a sin he can't forgive. There's not a secret he won't forget. There's not a heart he can't heal. There's not a life he can't forgive and he can't make whole. God just wants us to know his love personally. His love for us will never change. It will never diminish. It can never get even bigger than it is because it's infinitely as big as it will ever be. But there is absolutely nothing that will change that. But what can change in us is us knowing his love. The reminder that can help you and I live by faith every day in this hard world of life. It's knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, God's love for me is for real. Let his love wrap you. Let his love hold you. Let his love contain you. Let his love be long-suffering with you. Because it is. But he wants you to know it. He wants me to know it. His love for us is real. Reminder number two. To help us live with a habit of living by faith. God can do miracles for real. God's love is for real. God it can also do miracles for real. In just the four Gospels, Jesus is accounted for, written down for doing over 30 miracles. Just in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, John ends his part by telling us at the end of his writing that Jesus actually did more than what was written down. There's, he said, I suppose there's really not enough books to even contain all that Jesus did in this whole world. Miracles. Miracles. What do those miracles show us? What do they speak to us? What do they demonstrate, us, demonstrate to us? 
the miracles of God demonstrate to us that God is the great physician. He's the great physician. Look at this in Luke 4, where Jesus, fresh out of the desert, the wilderness, 40 days praying and fasting, and he says these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. God is the great physician. Do you have faith in God to believe that he can do miracles? These miracles of Jesus show us that God is the great provider in our life. Matthew 6, he says these words. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He will give us what we need. He doesn't always give us what we want. Thank goodness for that. We all be wanting some stuff. We know that stuff ain't good for us. That stuff make me look bougie, but it ain't gonna make me, you know, have any good character. But he does give us what we need. All over the world, he's working. He's working. Today begins the National Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Believers. And all month, they're going to have, through Voice of the Martyrs, they're going to have all these prayers every day that are going out on behalf of the persecuted believers around the world. And it's amazing. I I subscribe to their newsletter and get their magazine and, and things to that nature. I'm always amazed at the faith of these persecuted believers, like intense persecution, like death type persecution like their whole villages and their homes are raided and burned their churches are torn down that kind of persecution and I'm amazed at their faith that they still believe that God provides and God does and he is he is the great provider and this one more example of God's miracles in our life it shows that God is the great I am No one will ever have the last word on God. In fact, no one ever got the first word on God. In fact, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, who created? God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you go to the end, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, says this about Jesus. He says, I am the Alpha. And the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. The miracles of God, small to big, seen and unseen, heard and unheard, happen to show us God has got this. His plan has never faltered. His plan has never failed. God's plan for you 
which leads us into the third one. Our third reminder to help us have the habit of living by faith is God's plan for us, for our life, is perfect for real. His, his plan for our life is perfect for real. Ephesians 2.10. About to wrap up. Paul writes, he says, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I'm putting all of these scriptures out there for you because I want our eyes to see them and read them and not forget them and not let the word become dull and not our eyes not become glossed over because the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I want us to see these words of God that God has a plan for our Life and his plan is perfect. Life is not perfect. Life can flat out suck sometimes. But God and his plan is perfect. And he has plans. He has plans. God will carry us through storms. Storms happen in life. And it says God will carry us through these storms. Look at these words, Isaiah 43, 2. The promise of God to us is when you go through deep waters, God says, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Friend, it's hard to go through storms. But God will carry us through storms. God will always be by our side. Hebrews 13.5 The writer says, God tells us this, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. God told that to Joshua. Moses had passed away. Joshua was chosen to lead Israel into the promised land. And the first things God told Joshua was, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. What you have in front of you is a, is a big task. A big responsibility, absolutely. Not going to deny what I have called you to do with your life. But in the middle of it, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Anybody ever had a friend that you thought would always be there, but through a little bit of life, that friend is not around anymore? And how hard did that, did that hit you? That was hurtful. That was, there's probably some words you have that I shouldn't say at church. I've thought those things too, truth be told. But I can't imagine, I can't say that about God. He will never fail. He will never abandon. Why? Because He has plans that He wants us to do with our life. And He's going to do anything and everything He can without overriding our choice to help make that happen. And number three, God 
in his plan for our life, God will perform his word. God has spoken things to you and to me. And Paul encourages Timothy in 1 Timothy 1. You can read it. But Paul basically encourages Timothy. Hey, Timothy, don't forget the prophetic words that God has spoken to you. You need to remind yourself of what he said. Because by those prophetic words, you'll be able to fight the good fight of faith. He said, in fact, there's been some who have not practiced that, and now they're destitute and without faith. When you and I fail to practice God's word in our life and what he's spoken, it leaves us without faith. What has God said to you? I, I have a whole list of things I pulled out this week and re- rehearsing and reminding myself of all these things God has spoken for, to me and spoken to our church. And there's still quite a few of those things yet to happen. I was just reminding myself and reminding God and, and reminding the enemy that God's not through with New Life Church. God's not through with any church that honors Him. This pandemic time has rocked so many lives, rocked so many places, and rocked so many churches. But the people of God who hold on and live by faith, well, they're going to be okay. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Living by faith, God said, is never easy. But if we will live by faith, Watch out because the life of Christ, the same life that died on the cross, buried in a tomb, rose from the dead, sits at the right hand of God, that life where death won't keep him down, a cross can't keep him dead, a stone won't keep him concealed, nothing can ever keep him down. That same life of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is alive in everyone who is a born-again believer. And that Spirit always rises. That Spirit always resurrects. That Spirit always gets back up. That Spirit never lays down, never stays down. That's the Spirit of the living God. And if you live by faith, you can have that Spirit working inside of you. No matter who you face, what you face, what kind of news you get, wherever you might go, it's the Spirit of God on the inside of a person that causes the spirit of a person to rise and not stay down. Live by faith and you'll have the love of Christ taking out ought, taking out bitterness, taking out offense, taking out hatred, taking out racism, taking out comparisons, taking out all these ugly things that tend to get inside of us over time. And it's the love of Christ that will be the source and the root be amazing that if we live like that and by faith you'll have the power of Christ and dare I say that goes along with praying things you can pray your biggest prayer make your biggest request and the Bible there in Ephesians 3 says God is able to do more than that my goodness he's able to do more than that your biggest dream you have and God's able to go, go beyond that? Your biggest imagination about something 
and God's able to accomplish more than that, that's the kind of power that gets going on in a person's life who will live by faith and not by sight.